Hi, this is Dan Sullivan, and it's a great pleasure to be with my partner, Peter Diamandis, who in my books is the most advanced scout of all the breaking technologies that are going to break things. Break in the sense of creative destruction that new superior forms of human activity are being created technologically supported, and as a result of that, structures and processes for every area of human activity are both being created and destroyed at the same time. And one of the big ones, which has been a passion, Peter, and you listed it as one of the nine that is going to be discussed this coming January's Abundance 360 program in Beverly Hills, one of the great highlights of our year here at Strategic Coach is augmented reality in the area of education and training. That's just one aspect of augmented reality, but that's the one that I'm most passionate about. The educational way of educating people that has existed for at least a hundred years or a couple hundred years, I think, is not sufficient to what the requirements of the world are. And I think augmented reality is a very practical step that already exists and is being utilized around the world for skills training, every kind of skills training, trade training, and everything. So can you give a background just so people know what this is? Yeah, sure. Let me expand this a little bit. So augmented reality is different from virtual reality. Virtual reality is you put on a headset and all you see is what's being computer generated into your eyes and you're virtually placed someplace. And you can be on a space station, you can be in a video game. Augmented reality is the concept that when you look through your eyes at the world around you, if you have a pair of augmented reality goggles or glasses on, superimposed on the world around you is digital imagery. And it might be a name floating above someone's head. It might be a video game character playfully dancing on your tabletop in front of you. It may be the price of a couch as you're walking through a store. The world, your version of reality is augmented by whatever the AI in the system is providing for you. And one of the predictions that I hold true to is that in the next 10 years, by 2030, Augmented reality is going to become ubiquitous, as ubiquitous as our cell phones, meaning all of us are going to be wearing a stylish pair of glasses that allow us to see layers on the world. And those glasses eventually look like the ones, Dan, that you're wearing right now, very stylish. The two major augmented reality companies out there are HoloLens, which is a Microsoft company. They've just issued HoloLens 2 and Magic Leap which is issued Magic Leap 1 and is working on Magic Leap 2. There's a few others, but those are the two big ones. Billions of dollars, tens of billions of dollars going into this. So if it's true that we're going to all have augmented reality headwear, and when I say everybody, as ubiquitous as we all carry our cell phones around today, Mm -hmm. these cell phones are going to get replaced by a pair of headwear that you wear that communicate with the clouds but give you additional visual information. So if that's true, if we're walking around always and we can see layers of layers of layers, what are the implications of that? How is our world going to change? What companies will get destroyed? What opportunities will be created? Mm -hmm. That is a fun conversation to be had. The thing that comes to me, just because it's kind of a personal passion of mine, is skills training. 
For example, and I've seen, you know, and you would have more input on this than I do, but uh, a company, some of the German automobile company, you can take someone who has no automotive experience, and on day one, you just give him a set of glasses, which are also audio connected, so there's a voice that's walking them through that. And they'll look at an engine, they'll open the, you know, what we call the hood here, and they will open the hood, and they look at the engine, and they say, okay, we're going to take the engine apart, piece by piece, over the next 90 minutes, and the augmented reality program will highlight the first nut that they have to unscrew, and they have to unscrew it, use this wrench, unscrew it, and put the nut in the bolt over here. And then step by step, maybe there's 60 or 70 parts in the engine, they take it apart and put it in its appropriate place, and then they take a break, they take lunch or anything, they come back and they say, okay, now we're going to put the engine together. And in their first day, with no prior experience of engine repair, they've taken an engine completely apart and they've put it back together. And then they repeat this two days in a row. And then on the fourth day, they said, okay, now we want you to do it from memory without the glasses to see if you can actually do it. And it's surprising. Some people are 60 to 70% yeah. on Thursday ahead of their complete ignorance that they walked in with Monday. So my feeling is... Take that one example and apply it to every single human activity that requires step-by-step -step procedures around the world. So instant skills training, you know, yeah. immediate instant skills training is the first order implication. So we can turn anybody who can follow decent visual auditory explanations into a worker who's trained on something in the moment at that second. Here's another one I'll throw out is that we're going to be able to know what anything is. So for example, if you're looking at a piece on a table apart and you don't know what it is, your computer, your AI looking through your augmented reality goggles at it can identify it. Mm -hmm. You know, this is tech that's being done by a company called PTC that's mm -hmm. going to be at A36 this year. So like, what is this thing? Or where can I buy this thing? Or what is the price of this thing? Or what do you call this thing? So instant identification and knowledge about anything, yep. including people, right? So another implication is you'll be able to know anything about anyone just by looking at them. Their kids' birth dates, whatever they publicly make known is going to be knowable about some random stranger walking down the street at you. That's pretty amazing. Yeah, well, you know, I've told you that I worked for the FBI for two years right out of high school, and I would be looking at Peter on the screen, and I'd be seeing your file updated for the last 24 hours, you know, and where that's been flagged red, watch out for this guy, you know. As it should be. Yeah, as it should be. But, for example, when Google Glass came out, I remember which instantly made you look a bit like a dork, you know, and so, <laughs> you, think? you know, it was like riding a Segway, you know, a Segway, I mean, I, I seen cops on Segways, and I said, they must have done something wrong there on penalty <laughs> period, they make them drive around there. But Segways actually really paid off, and I'm sure Google Glass really paid off for specialized uses, but I remember the bars Immediately, every bar in the United States forbid people to come in because you could take pictures with Google Glass. Without you know, knowing you it, actually, right. Without knowing it. Plus, you didn't look like someone you wanted to have a drink with. So my feeling is, and you know, it's a discussion of zones of technology, how far we're able to go with technology. Technology will always try to expand into everything. 
and it's humans to sort of say, nope, nope, you're not coming here. And I should say, I'm just uh, approaching two weeks, and for the last 52 weeks, I haven't watched any television. And it's, mm. and this is the first nice. time since I was 10 years old I haven't watched television. And it's really interesting just to see what happens to your thinking when that's not a part of your life for a whole year. Well, let me give you a few other implications for augmented reality that I'd love you to double-click on with me. So one of them is you could turn on game mode, which means as you're walking down the street, everything you look at becomes part of a game. So if you are in a Star Wars game or a Pokemon Go game or whatever, there are characters and points you can get. You know, there's a layer, information layer of gaming on as you're walking Mm -hmm. down the street. Mm -hmm. So that's one big area of entertainment. Another big area is retail. So for example, as you look into a window a store window, rather than that store window have setting up certain clothes or certain devices or whatever that they think people are going to want, every store window is customized to your desire. So your AI knows what you're shopping for. And if that store is selling any of the things on your shopping list, it's portrayed right there, right? Mm -hmm. So gaming and retail. Can I ask you a question with that? Because yeah, I'm a bit sure. ignorant on the retail because I'm not a big retail guy. <laughs> but to what degree is that already happening at least in passive? In other words, they don't know anything about you, but these are the latest trends. And that can be done with augmented reality right now. And you're seeing mannequins, but the mannequins, you can change colors of the clothing. You can change different styles of clothing. I mean, it's just beginning. It's really where we're seeing this serving up your recommendations to you is more what's happening on Amazon and mm-hmm. where it's serving up recommend or Netflix recommended mm-hmm. videos or books because mm-hmm. it knows your search history and knows what mm-hmm. you've watched before and so forth. But in the physical world, now another thing, by the way, augmented reality goggles are able to do is know where you're looking, mm-hmm. right? So you have a camera looking back at your pupil. And if you're in a store, if I'm facing a window, there might be 30 items in there, and you looking from behind me, I don't know where mm-hmm. I'm looking, but my AI knows exactly where I'm looking. Mm-hmm. And if I fixate, and if my pupils dilate, and if my complexion changes of being interested, my AI may notice that and start to populate the window with many more of those things. Yeah. You know, so your intentionality can start to be understood by an augmented reality AI combined system which is fascinating. One of the things, and this is more secret, people don't actually know about these things, but I read a lot of novels that are about special operations, you know, special forces, Navy SEALs, Delta Group, and everything else. And they do enormous uh, amount of their pre-planning for missions by having three-dimensional depictions of exactly where they're going. You know, the satellites have actually gotten very, very accurate foot-by-foot dimensions of something, and they rehearse, they actually rehearse. So one of the things, this kind of goes along with the taking an engine apart and putting back together, but a lot of life is really about rehearsal, actually going through things before you actually have the experience. I'm just thinking about your virtual reality experience of going to the Space Center in New Mexico where you could have, I mean, if it was important to you, you could have actually gone into space with virtual reality there. 
But how much do you see that there's a lot of activities in life that it's good for people to be able to go through them five, ten times before they're actually presented with that experience? And augmented reality would help with that. A hundred percent. And so if something is important to you, how do you make sure you have the experience? And it could be a job interview. It could be a date. It could be anything that's pre-planning. And I think augmented reality, again, combined with AI is going to enable that. So it's going to reduce the number of screw-ups. Yeah. I can just see gamifying first dates. You're five minutes in and it goes, eh, start over again. <laughs> you know? But gamification is definitely another sector of this that people like games. you know. And if you can turn what is mundane reality into a game, people love it. I mean, I forget it because Babs was habituated to it for about three months where there's things have been hidden and you go and you get clues to actually find them, but it's done on your cell yeah. phone. Your cell phone is telling you that there's... Uh, yeah, these treasure hunts of different types. Treasure, yeah. yeah, treasure hunts. People love that. The number one enemy of human existence is boredom. Yeah. Well, and Pokemon Go is a early version of this. Here's mm-hmm. two other implications of augmented reality being ubiquitous that you'll appreciate. One is, as I walk down the streets, I can turn on my history lesson. So I can look at Toronto as it was 50 years ago or 100 years ago or 500 years ago Mm -hmm. and see it. I can have a time machine. Mm -hmm. And I might even be able to have a forward-looking time machine as I pull in information. My AI pulls information about zoning requests and building requests so I can see what's likely to happen going forward. Mm -hmm. And then related Mm -hmm. to that is travel. So when I go to Israel or Greece or Turkey or Abu Dhabi, I can look at those cities through time. And beforehand. I can go and visit before in virtual reality. Mm -hmm. And then when I'm there walking on the streets, Mm -hmm. I can see it through time. Mm -hmm. And I can also have a virtual tour guide Mm -hmm. that is better than any human tour guide ever created. (laughs) Yeah. You know, one of the things, uh, uh, and it has to do, you know, there's a massive increase in the number of people who go to galleries and museums, but it's a very defeating Mm -hmm. experience. I always found it a very defeating experience because I am on the spectrum of attention deficit disorder, and I go into information overload very quickly when I'm bombarded with a lot of visual options. But if you wanted a custom design tour of a museum, and we have a client who's got what's called Museum Hack, where you sign up for it, and they pay for your tickets, and they have two guides, like we were at the Met in New York. It's like seven museums that have been slapped together, and they just took us around and showed us 10 really, really interesting things about the Met, okay? You know, these were mostly actors, you know, this is how they actually paid for an otherwise zero-income profession. (laughs) 90% of all actors spend 90% of their lives unemployed. But they were taking us around, and it was a stimulating two-hour conversation. But you could have the glasses, which would pre-program where you're going in the museum, and not showing you everything, but just showing, oh, this is a really interesting program. You should do this, and you can do it on your own. There will be audio. There will be visual. There will be history. And we have a version of that right now with sort of the audio guides. Yeah, but they're boring. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, they're really boring. So if I have my augmented reality goggles on, I'm also going to change my buying experience. So imagine I go to a Tesla shop 
to buy a Model S. And all of a sudden, I hop into the car and seated in the seat next to me is Elon Musk or an AI version of him giving me a personal tour and a personal sales pitch. And when I walk into the Apple store, there's Steve Jobs talking about the latest handset. And so there's a personalized, mm-hmm. really engaging, really entertaining, mm-hmm. fully virtual sale experience taking place. Mm-hmm. So, so I think that mm-hmm. kind of sales is going to transform with augmented reality headgear. Yeah. One question I have for you, because you're very close to the center of the movie industry, and they're talking about, you know, being able to reproduce actors who've been dead for 40 years and actually it's happening giving now. them new yeah. scripts, you know. Sure. I want to bring this up with the concept which is called Uncanny Valley, yeah. of how close to reality will humans want representations, you know, this is not quite on the topic of augmented reality, but the whole point is that you're taking reality and you're manipulating it in a particular way. Manipulate not in a negative sense, but you're doing something with it that uh, reproduces reality and it becomes better and better as technology goes on. We're past the Uncanny Valley right now. For those who don't know, Uncanny Valley is... AI simulations of people were almost good enough. But if you looked at someone that was clearly a cartoon character, your brain said, fine, this is a cartoon character, and you pigeonholed it as that. If you're looking at a person who looks super realistic and you can't tell they're not real, then you consider them real. But somewhere in between, there's an uncanny valley that they don't quite look real, but you're not 100% sure, and it's bothersome to the brain. Yeah. So... Where we stand right now is the deep fake technology that we're reading about where an AI is able to literally take anybody who's got enough video of them, Barack Obama, Donald Trump, Mark Zuckerberg have all been very famous deep fakes, and simulate their voice and their imagery where you don't know they're not real. So Hmm. any of the popular movie stars, Marilyn Monroe, you know, whomever. Humphrey Bogart is always chosen. I'm sure that their agents and their estates are in negotiation for what the rights are there. It's intellectual property rights. But they're going to be coming back to the main screen. So, And by the way, another part of it is I may license myself and an AI version of myself to go... To Mumbai. On a trip with friends where I can't go with them. So I'll go and hang out just to add mm-hmm. my, my corny humor mm-hmm. to it. Yeah. Why don't we switch to one more prediction subject and talk about implications yeah. there if we could. It's related. Yeah, well, I think uh, number eight, yeah. the replacement of brokers and agents. And I, I mean, this is already happening and it's been happening for 20, 25 years. So can I phrase it uh, in its fullness to say, here's a prediction over the next 10 years yeah. that exponential technologies, and this is AI, VR, and AR blockchain, mm-hmm. are going to replace brokers and sales agents and customer service agents. Yeah. These middlemen and women are going to get displaced Mm -hmm. in the next 10 years. Mm -hmm. It's happening, as you said. What happens then? What are the implications of that? Is it just joblessness? What is it? Strategic Coach really started off with a terrific in in the financial services industry because financial services, they talk about having their products, but their products are simply digital signals. You know, I mean, a life insurance policy 
I guess maybe you get a piece of paper to show that there's paper to it. But actually, it's just a, an algorithm that you've bought that in case of something that happens in the future, certain other things happen and cash is released to the people that you've designated. But more and more, it's hard for financial advisors and anyone who's a middleman, and I'll use financial advisors, it was the same thing with real estate. It's hard for them to prove value, that they're actually creating any value by being the middle person. Wherever it's not clear that you're creating value, people will attempt to go around you, replace you, eliminate you. So there's no value added, and there's an enormous amount of... I sometimes say, how could we improve the government, you know, state governments, national governments? I say, go to every government building, go halfway up the building, find out what the halfway point is and fire everybody in the top half. Because the government officials closest to the ground probably do some good. (laughs) But so much of government, I always say that bureaucracies are just really crude early forms of microchips where you're using human beings as the integrated circuits. But human beings are really crappy at transmitting accurate information because every time it goes through us, we add our own dimension to it. You know, if you go through 10 middle people, then you've totally distorted the message. So my feeling is, and I was so interested when you first started explaining blockchain, and there's blockchains out there. I mean, provenance on diamonds right now Mm -hmm. is totally determined by blockchain. You know, you can determine where your diamond was mined, how it was processed, how it was sold, who owned it, all the way through. So I think there's a lot of blockchain going on, but transactions, real estate transactions, seems to me that there's probably about three or four moves in between that could be replaced with technology. So So I'm going to ask again the question, what are the first order implications of these people? I mean, so for example, one in real estate is that buyers of real estate will no longer be local buyers. In other words, you'll get more people buying from around the world in your local neighborhood because they're going to have as good or better an experience Mm -hmm. virtually by an AI. I think the margins on brokerage fees for real estate brokers, financial brokers, the margins will approach zero because the cost of those players is the cost of electricity. So you'll have to have new business models will have to emerge because you're not going to make your money Mm -hmm. on a 3% or 2% brokerage fee. Well, what I've done with all my financial advisors, and this goes back to the 1990s, I said, you got to be coaches to people's futures. And you have to have an intimate knowledge of what people want about their future that would be known only to you. And you've got to be thinking behind the scenes of information and new tools that these people need to achieve their future. And my feeling is that humans who have that capability, first of all, not everybody has that capability, but the people who have that, you become a lifetime friend to that person because you're familiar with, they're continually upgrading what they want in their future. We were talking about coaching before the program. Coaching is knowing uniquely what other people want. And then you're using your own skills, you're using other people's skills to actually support what people want in their future. So if you're going to be presently a broker or a salesperson, you are going to be eliminated by AI. 
But I think we're a long way from you being able to sit down with someone and ask them about their future. Because, you know, we talk about, well, you know, retail, they'll show you what you want. Okay, they'll show you what you want. There aren't many people that I've met who actually know what they want. Mm. Okay. And one of my skills is I can get people in a very short period of time to actually explain to me what they really want in a three-year period. But I'm the first person they've ever met in their life who's actually been able to do that. And I said, if you're going to have a future, you got to have a future like I have a future because I can sit down with anybody who's really skilled, really talented, really intelligent, and really ambitious. And within a half hour, I can get them to define a future that not many other people have ever done for them. So I think there's more and more this in-depth understanding of what people actually want. And that's where the top of every industry is going to go. So the 80% will be eliminated by AI and algorithms. The top half will go super personal. Okay, so one of the implications you're saying here is going to be this super personal. I would posit that one of the implications here is that my AI is going to become much more intimately knowledgeable as we eliminate middlemen and AIs are beginning to interact with me and know my trades or know my buying decisions and so forth, I'm going to start to train up AIs that know me better than any human knows me. Like, you know, on those customer service calls where it says this phone call may be recorded for training or to improve and so forth, all of that data is being used to train machine learning protocols. Mm -hmm. So eliminating these brokers and sales agents I think one of the implications is that the world's going to become far more automatic and magical, where things are going to be surprise and delight, Mm -hmm. that I don't even know what I want because I only have a limited view of the million things I could buy. I happen to see a hundred of them. Mm -hmm. But my AI can look at my buying history and say, this thing you've never looked at that comes from China, you will love and grab that. So the world is going to globalize and become much more magical, I think, and a much larger skew list Mm -hmm. of things. Well, maybe, you know, data is about the past. It's not about the future. Mm -hmm. And human aspiration is created in the moment. I mean, how many things have you suddenly wanted that no previous history of your data would have ever predicted that you wanted that? For sure. But I think the data is there to predict it. It's just I hadn't known I wanted it until I saw it. But I'm not going to go from Mm -hmm. wanting tech toys to wanting pink tutus all of a sudden. My past leaves cues of the directionality of my future. I just may not see it. So this is going to be interesting to find out in the future. Yeah, I mean, there's provable trends that are moving in a particular direction. But, you know, I'm pretty unpredictable. I have this game that I taught myself as a kid because I grew up on a farm mostly alone for three or four years. <laughs> and I learned this ability to actually watch my thinking, where my thinking was going. And what I noticed was it was totally unpredictable what I was going to be thinking about next. And I think that is not rare for me. I don't think there's anything unique about me. I've just got this habit of how I can get myself in a mode where I can actually watch where my thinking goes for five minutes or 10 minutes. And I'm always amazed because as much as I've done this over 70 years, it's still totally unpredictable where my thoughts are going to go next. So my sense is that people who are really highly skilled 
you know, the word has been used, techno-Marxism. And I think that there's a problem that's developing, and it's a very deep human problem, of techno-feudalism. You have the very wealthy and the powerful who are very gifted at utilizing these new technologies and the vast majority of people who aren't. And there's uh, extreme schism. I see it happening in California already. I mean, California is like a universe unto itself right now. But you have no middle class. The middle class is disappearing and going to Texas or you know, going to Idaho or Utah and everything else. And I think there is a trend line there of people who are just super gifted, super trained, they have the right connections, they have the right education, and they're becoming super successful in a way that other people aren't going to be. I think it's the number one political social issue of the next 50 years is the inequality impact of high technology where certain individuals can get multiplier benefits from it, but it doesn't actually democratize in any meaningful way. Well, we should have another conversation on that. I'm not sure I fully agree with you on that one, but that's okay. Yeah, to be considered. Yeah. But everybody can eat beyond meat. Everybody can shop to their heart's content. Anyway, this is very provocative. And Peter, just as a cutoff here, because we're approaching you know, our annual date at Beverly Hills, just talk about the two things that we've talked about here We've talked about augmented reality, and we've talked on the elimination of the middleman. But talk about how you're going to approach it from a coaching standpoint at A360, because it's very stimulating to me how you've structured this in your mind and what's going to happen to people when they actually come to Abundance 360 this time. Yeah, we're going to do something different this year. I mean, I'm still going to be giving everybody, all of our 360 entrepreneurial members, an update on what's happened in the last year and where technology is going over the next two to five years in the AI and robotics and 3D printing and all of the AR, VR, and so forth, all the major exponentials. And that's day one. My job is to help you see the road ahead. Day two is going to be focused on, listen, here's eight different disruptive futures that are coming. There's no question about autonomous cars are coming, augmented reality is coming, how we provide protein, electrification from renewable sources, getting rid of internal combustion fuels. All these things are coming. Members are going to be getting together with like-minded members and looking at these futures, these decade-long futures, and saying, what are the implications? What are the first-order implications and what are the second-order implications? So an example, going back in history, is I remember the early conversations on geospatial mapping and GPS. And I didn't understand fully, because I was there at the beginning of it, talking to a lot of people, I didn't understand fully that when GPS was coming online and geospatial mapping, where you're mapping GPS coordinates against maps, that mm -hmm. that would translate to things like Google Earth, would translate to Uber and Lyft, would translate mm -hmm. to... Airbnb would translate to Google Maps, would translate to all of these billion-dollar opportunities. So the question is going to be, when you know that AI is going to reach near-human-level intelligence in 10 years, right, that is coming. We can see it every year getting better and better and better. What is that going to disrupt? And what internet size opportunities is it going to create? So I've structured an entire day for us as a group to predict the future. Mm -hmm. And not only predict the future, but predict the future business opportunities coming out of that. Yes. So for entrepreneurs, yeah. this is going to be massive catnip. 
So yeah. anyway, pal, yeah. I think we're out of time here on this episode, but always a pleasure, Dan, always a pleasure. Total pleasure for me, Peter, and I'm gearing up my thinking for the days in Beverly Hills. Thanks a lot. All right, pal, take care.